Welcome to the Permission Portal Podcast. I'm the voice, Julia Henning, entrepreneur, life coach, and retreat host. This portal was created to celebrate purpose, pleasure, and permission. Whether you want to uplevel your consciousness, expand your knowledge, or just listen to know you're not alone, I offer myself and this portal as the ultimate permission slip to be human, whatever that means. So take off the mask and slip into something authentic if you're ready to dive in. Welcome to the Permission Portal. Hey there, portal people. Welcome back to the Permission Portal Podcast. I am your host, Julia Henning. And on this episode, we're diving deep with one of my dearest friends, Diana. Diana is a womb rights facilitator. And you might be asking, well, what is that? Well, we tell you. We are talking about healing the womb and the experience of womanhood. And though we are talking about a couple specific topics relating to the female experience, This episode isn't just for our female-identifying listeners. Though we do talk in-depth about the womb space, being a woman, the journey from maiden to mother archetype, we also talk about what it's like to give birth to creation and ideas. And I want to just very lovingly give you guys the upfront warning that we do talk about things such as pregnancy, birth termination, and loss. So... If you feel that this episode is for you, I definitely encourage you to listen with an open heart and to stick around. And if this one's maybe not for you, I totally understand and thank you for stopping by. But before we dive in, I just want to give this episode a little good juju. And wherever you are, just taking a deep breath in through your nose and letting that go with ease. (sighs) And if you're driving, please focus and keep your eyes on the road. But if you're able to, I invite you to close your eyes, take a step back from what you're doing, and just take another deep breath in, trusting that everything that is meant for you after this listening or during this listening will be there for you, your to-do list, your text messages, your emails, and in this moment, choosing to be present, welcoming gratitude with a deep breath in and an easy exhale. Now, let's get into it. Our guest today is no stranger to the healing arts. As a Reiki master, cacao ceremonialist, NLP master practitioner, student of psychology, and more, Diana Carmona Taylor is a force of nature. In helping her clients and collaborators reconnect to their bodies, Diana is a conduit of support by offering a variety of trauma relief and mental health counseling to those who seek her out. Utilizing her coaching talents, education and experience, and somatic knowledge, Diana offers herself as a womb rights facilitator in womb healing and the tantric arts. With a plethora of topics to choose from, I've asked Diana to join me in the permission portal today to discuss the miraculous abilities of the female body and the journey from maiden to motherhood. Please welcome Diana Carmona Taylor. Hello. Wow, what an introduction. I'm like, oh, I forget I have all those qualifications. (laughs) That's my favorite thing about the permission portal intros is I'm like, girl, we got to make sure we get like the full context of who we're talking to here. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get it. But it's just like, I, I tend to forget how much I have studied, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Girl, when I was looking up like your resume and all of your credentials, I was just like, holy crap, you do that too? Like, hello, I want some Reiki. I'm like, why aren't we doing more of these things together? Hello? I know I do a lot. <laughs> well, Diana, welcome to the Permission Portal. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. This is so exciting and we're kicking off a new season, a new chapter of our lives. And we off camera, off mic had a conversation this week that literally inspired me so much that I was like, we need to get on this ASAP. So how do you feel about just opening up that portal and continuing that conversation? I am more than open. I'm excited to see what else, what, what, what else opens up, what else flourishes from this conversation as well. Oh yeah. 
All right. Well, let's give the people a little bit of context and how we know each other. So mm-hmm. Diana and I met almost almost a year ago now. Yeah. In two months, it'll be like two years ago. Oh my God. That's so weird. Why is time <laughs> flying by so quickly? And but it's amazing. So we met about a year ago and we were at a leadership immersion retreat hosted by Mel Wells over in Costa Rica. And I remember, and I want to hear like your take on this, but I just remember we were in the car. I like looked over and started talking to you. And then we just ended up sitting next to each other at every dinner. And then by the end, I was like, this is somebody that's going to be in my life for the rest of my life. I mean, it was every conversation, every moment, every break. It was like Diana was my go-to anchor, sister, just you kind of meet one of these at every retreat. <laughs> one of these, you kind of meet somebody at every retreat that you're like, okay, this is my, this is my person. And Diana mm-hmm. was my person. And I just remember probably scaring you a little bit in the beginning because of how strong I came on, which is normal for me. But yeah, Diana has been my soul ever since. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your take on our meeting. It's so funny that you, that you, that you approached this because I was literally just thinking about this before coming into this, this, you know, podcast and then and mm-hmm. recording it and everything. And I was just like, I just remembered I'm like, I just remember so hardcore. It was just like, you know, when you feel so pulled to want to be talk to someone and you're just like, there's no reason whatsoever. But I'm like, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want to be your friend. <laughs> That's literally how I felt as soon as I met you. And I remember we were staying in the like the houses like like next door to each other as well. And I remember meeting you and I was just like, I want to be her friend, but I'm like, I'm like the opposite of you. I'm like super shy and very low key. And like, I don't want to seem, co- I don't want to come off too strong or anything like that. But I do remember I was just like, it was kind of like having like a girl crush on someone, you know, oh. on you. And I was just like, I want to be her friend so bad. And then it just happened. So, oh my God, I'm over here blushing. Stop. I felt <laughs> the same. And I mean, I just remember. I remember us talking about our ages kind of early on and how even though I was old, I am older than you just by a couple of years, I really resonated with being able to sort of be kind of my more juvenile, vulnerable self with you. And in a lot of ways, it mm-hmm. felt like you had this grounded maturity and this just ability to hold space in a way that like sometimes I take up space, even though I can simultaneously hold it. And you really gave me that permission in a place where you know, there was so many healers and coaches and entrepreneurs. Mm. And just to be able to kind of look at someone and be like, this is crazy shit, isn't it? Or like, I don't know what I'm, you know, feeling today or, you know, I think what I'm doing with life. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it was a lot of, I think we offered each other that permission slip in a place where everyone Mm. is vulnerable, but also simultaneously and maybe subconsciously kind of trying to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I kind of gave each other a sense of relief in that environment and also a lot of play. Mm. Yeah. The girl crush was mutual is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) All right, my love. So now you guys kind of get a sense of how we know each other. And Diana and I will touch base several times throughout the year. And whenever we do, it's just its own permission portal. We walk away Mm. with cups filled. Our conversations are profound, immense, and deep. And we found ourselves talking this week and just in what we were talking about, it inspired me so deeply and I was so moved that I knew I had to get her into this portal immediately. And so one of the reasons why, drum roll please, is that Diana is going to be a mother in a couple of weeks, (laughs) if not sooner. Where are we at in the process? How many days, how many weeks we have left? Right now I'm 38 weeks, like literally today, it's like 38 weeks pregnant. So it's like, it'll be, it can be in two weeks technically. That's when the due date is, but it can be before or it can be after, hopefully before, (laughs) hopefully just right on the dot. (laughs) That'll be nice. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling tired today. Mm. Just, just very mellow, very, um, like, like my body is just preparing. Mm. Well, let's Mm. honor that and whatever comes up with it. But if you don't mind us diving a little deeper into the experience, the practice, the process, and everything to do Mm. with where you are today, I'm going to dive into question number one. Go ahead. All right, my love. So I gave, say that again. 
I'm intrigued. <laughs> LOL. Also, I will just say this, guys. Sometimes when we do Zoom recordings, there's a little bit of a lag. So if you find we talk over each other, it's not because we're rude. We're just dealing with technology. Copy? Copy that. So I gave my best attempt to explain and highlight all that it is you do. And with one of the most impressive resumes ever and in a field where professional titles can be a little confusing at times, especially to those who aren't immersed in our community or practices, can you shed light on what services you currently offer and how you found yourself embodying these roles? Mm, okay. So right now, you introduced it pretty well. I'm a womb rights facilitator. Now, what that entails is basically holding women into the threshold and into the process and the journey that it is to become that it is to go from maiden to mother. So I do a lot of um, just body work when it comes to healing the womb. So really heart and womb centered work that is that I do. It's very outside of the scope of what you think of it normal type of work it is. It's not like I'm a gynecologist or anything like that. And I'm like looking at women's vaginas or anything like that. It's like the somatic part of it. It's the healing part of everything that the womb comes like goes through and helping women just come back to the body and to themselves and to their womb and bringing that connection. And alongside that is facilitating that journey of maiden to mother. That is such a difficult journey to, to navigate. Yeah. So that's what I do. How I got here, how I got to that point really was, it was really because I had a pregnancy loss like about two years ago. And that was really what ignited my desire to help women just go through, help them with that grief, I guess, help them navigate that. Um, it's when I became so centered in into myself and began that journey of connecting with my womb after what happened that I was like, women are not talking enough about pregnancy loss. Women are not given the right space, I feel like, for grief, for understanding, for connecting in. And I feel like, not that it would have been avoided, but I feel like if I would have built a, a higher connection with my womb it probably would have developed differently um, at that stage. So that's kind of like what led me to this work, I would have to say. Um, it's just my own personal experience of loss and, and grief and navigating it and really healing that mm -hmm. and now being able to hold that space for other women. It's, yeah, that's that's pretty much how, how I got here into this space. Mm. Girl, if I had known you three years ago, what a different experience it would be. I had an abortion um, in New Year's Eve of 2020, mm -hmm. and that's a separate episode, by the way. However, I just remember how deeply it activated my connection to the womb and how mm -hmm. it highlighted that I really didn't have one prior to that. And if somebody yeah. had been there to guide me in understanding not just what was happening on a practical level to my body, but I always tell people like, I'm so thankful that it happened because it activated my like divine femininity. And yet I also, you know, still to this day, truly do deal with the grief. I mean, it hits me at different points. And I just think that having someone like you who can not only hold the hand of the person who's experiencing this, but really just shed a light and offer you know, a sense of permission for this happening in just mm. variety of ways, whether it was something dealing with grief or something dealing with celebration and joy. I agree. It's not something that we have on hand or something we even know to ask for. So I think that what you're yeah. doing is just so necessary. Thank you. No, and I agree as well. Like I just the same thing as you, like I am even though it is a sad thing that happened, I'm very grateful that it happened because it it created, it basically created a whole new world for me in my own inner landscape, in my in my own life, in my relationship with my partner and my relationship with myself, my relationship with my womb, with my heart, with everything. And 
and with spirit in a different way that if that wouldn't have happened, I would not be here. I would probably just just still be a regular coach and a mental health counselor and just just a yoga teacher and all these different things. And that would probably be just that, which is still so beautiful. But, you know, my journey took me to a different place. And as soon as that happened, it's like my heart, even through the mist, in the midst of the grief, like I was like, this is what I'm meant to do now. Mm. It just, it just, I just knew. So I am, as much as I, it hits me still, you know, as you said, I'm very grateful for it in its own way. I love that. And I feel like we sort of touched on this, but just to really iron out why this feels like something that belongs in the permission portal, you know, healing practices, coaching, counseling, they're often regarded as permission portals and that they provide a guided opportunity for an individual to reclaim a lost or maybe forgotten authenticity, ultimately mm-hmm. hope and hopefully leading to a change in how that individual views and operates in the world, depending on their needs. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. So what would you say in womb healing? And I love the title womb rights facilitator because it it brings up so many things beyond what we know in terms of the somatics of the womb. But what permission do you feel that this practice and this offering provides? What is the permission behind womb healing? Mm. Wow. That is a big, a big, big question. I, I feel know. Like. And I'm like, let's put it right at the top. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big question because womb healing, once you begin that path and once I have started that path, it opens up so many doors, so many portals, so many universes as well. And I feel like the permission that it gives, it is that it gives a woman a permission to just be a woman, mm. to just be in her femininity and in her masculinity as well, you know, but it's just, it just allows her to be a woman to embrace herself, to love herself, to take care of herself, to nourish herself, to devote to herself, which at the end of the day, you end up like devoting to, to, to divine, right? And that's who women are. And so I think it gives them that permission of just being women and allowing themselves to be that. Not me crying. Okay. (laughs) Glad I asked that up front. (laughs) Thank you. That was eloquent, beautiful, and truly, to me, highlights the permission slip that women really need. And we have things like doulas and nurses and, um, you know, nannies, this kind of provided support systems. And I think a lot of people maybe can wrap their head around what support those individuals offer without giving away too much. Can you maybe describe or sort of paint the picture of, I don't want to say a typical, but of a practice that you have engaged in with a client or just something like what does womb healing really look like when you're working with somebody? And if you feel that it's appropriate to share some details so that people can understand what they would be essentially signing up for if working with you. Yeah. So it varies obviously from from womb healer to womb healer and from whoever practices it, it can go from just really allowing the body, or I guess like, let's put it. Okay. I'm like, I need to rewrite this in my own head. Okay. (laughs) So what is it? What is it? What is it? Right. Um, Like I said, it varies from, from space holder to space holder, how it looks like. For me, the way that it looks like is through tantra, through um, breath work, is connecting back into the womb. And the womb, what it does, it it has, she has its own voice. She has its own way of being and communicating. And so what that looks like is reactivating that connection through breath work inside of a session and allowing any wounding, pain, trauma to come up and be expressed through the body and be released in that way. 
A lot of the times can be just energetically moving it through the body, right? Just through the breath. And other times it may look like touching outside of the womb and facilitating for it to, for her to open up, right? Because what a lot of women experience is that she's so closed off because we have been neglecting her for so long. She is so, she has been silenced for so long that it may take a little while to I guess, create that bridge of connection, right? And so the sessions look a lot like <laughs> crying and screaming and raging and purging and just allowing her to become alive again mm -hmm. through that. And then the more someone does a practice like that, the more someone is being held in that way, the more the womb begins to communicate with that woman. And that's how, at least how I've experienced it. That's how I've seen clients experience it. It's just kind of like it opens up a whole portal, her own portal, because she is his, its own portal. Like she is an entity of her own. She is goddess herself. And we all have her within us. And so it is all about just creating that light, creating that connection through shedding a lot of the darkness, a lot of the shadow, a lot of the goo, a lot of the murkiness that has created that wall um, that a lot of us have experienced throughout the years. And that, my friend, is what we call a mic drop. <laughs> wow. Thank you for elaborating on it because I think even for myself, who's been in proximity of many womb healers before to hear you talk about it, knowing what you know and what we've talked about in experience, it just really enlightens what the process and the relationship to the womb really means to a woman. And I love that you brought up the notion that we're giving the womb a voice because that voice leads back to the authenticity. And if we're to think of our individual parts as having their own identity, their own spirit, mm -hmm. their own personality, it would make sense that there's a permission slip being granted to this womb to say, girl, you get to remember who you are and what mm -hmm. you do. And I mean, in any healing practice, like you're saying, the purging, the crying, the release, oh my God, I can just like imagine what anybody who has that contraction or that trauma in there would be experiencing by having somebody walk them through that, like, just release. So thank you for yeah. highlighting that. Of course, of course. So as we previously mentioned, previously mentioned, you are in the profound process of growing a life inside of that beautiful woman body. And with only a few weeks away before their arrival, I can imagine that there's been a lot of processing around the experience the last nine months. Yeah. So you have so many incredible titles to your name. What was the process of adding mother to that list? Well, you know, funny enough, um, as I mentioned, like the two years ago that I had the pregnancy lost, I, I did feel like that title was given to me, even though I had lost my daughter. And it has never escaped me in that way. But embodying it is a different story, right? Um, I felt like I was given that title and I felt like a mother, but I wasn't necessarily being one in, 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 a, in such a way. And so now adding that title, it feels like a great responsibility, not going to lie. It feels big. It feels like the biggest thing that I probably will ever do with my life. <laughs> um, and I'm still getting around it. I'm still, I'm still crossing the threshold, right? Because I'm pregnant right now. And it's like, I'm coming to an end. Yes. But what being a mother would look like or feel like really or would i will embody it feels still very foreign and and unknown to me which i am interestingly very excited about <laughs> even though it is very unknown it is very exciting um however even through that um not fully embodying what the word mother is in a material sense 
there have been different ways in which I have embodied the word mother as well through the last two years. And that has been to really fully taking care of myself, to nourishing myself, to nourish people around me. Um, and just have that devotion for myself. So in a, in a, in not, non-material way, I have an embodied kind of like what it would be to be a mother, but in a material way, that's still to be known. I'm going to jump right into archetypes then, because we already paved the way that there is a title and a sense of what being mother is. And you're right. There's a difference between embodying it. And I just want to say, dude, thank you for offering the permission slip right now for me even to claim that I too have felt that I've been given the role of mother. And even though it was, I had made the decision not to embody it quite quickly, it has always been there. And I don't Mm. know that I've ever heard another person, I guess, say that. And so thank you because it really relieves the experience that we don't talk about a lot after something like a loss or a termination that once you have life inside of you and i'm going to get a little a little vulnerable right now once you have that life inside of you it like that feeling never goes away and mm-hmm. even though and i just want to you know i i will offer somewhat of a trigger warning right now but when you maybe don't have that life inside of you after experiencing what it feels like even for a brief moment. There is this sort of claiming of motherhood and in a split second, the difference between who you were before and who you are after becomes so apparent and so stark. And when you don't have a lot of time or you maybe don't have the support or you don't have that process to really understand or comprehend motherhood in its individuality to you, it can leave a really deep sense of emptiness. Mm. And in a lot of ways, having to mother yourself after that experience or even during the experience of pregnancy, I'm curious how we can embody the archetype of mother while we're still in an archetype of what we've said maiden and the difference between them. So it's kind of me just pontificating a little bit, but I'm going to ask the question so we can clarify what it is I'm getting at. So we've talked about archetypes off mic. It's something that we relate to in our lives and the phases of our experiences, often referring back to the archetypes developed by Carl Jung. It's what Mm -hmm. I coach. It's what you coach. It's what we know. And to listeners who might not have a strong knowledge of these archetypes, could you briefly explain what the transition into the mother archetype has been and how maiden archetype and mother archetype relate to each other and how we use these to understand our experiences. Yeah. So as you said, there is like definitions of like for each of the archetypes and everything, but I feel like I'll explain it in terms of what I have experienced myself. Right. Um, And transitioning because that's what I'm doing at the moment, transitioning from this archetype of maiden to mother has been very challenging, right? Because the archetypes, you can play with it. We all have them available within us. Um, You can play with it whenever you need them at any given moment in time. But this time it feels like the dominant one, mother, right? This is the one that it's like, now I'm not a maiden. I'm, I'm not a maiden. I'm not a girl anymore. I'm not a young adult. I am stepping into a different place. And that is kind of like womanhood and womanhood in terms of motherhood. So it's like, it's like this, this big, this big transformation and evolution that I'm going through that to me, to transition into the mother, it just takes a whole realm of responsibility, right? It's taking responsibility of myself, of someone else, is really being able to learn how to be compassionate to myself and others 
to really know how to take care of myself whilst I also take care of others and to let go some things that my younger self will be able to do, right? And it's not because I'm, I'm letting go of these different things and I'm letting go of all my freedom that my maidenhood maybe, maybe has. It's just that it is transformed into a different way. And so this transition has been difficult. I have had to grieve my maiden quite a lot during this pregnancy because it is what I've known for the last 27 years. Right. <laughs> right? It's something that I experienced since I was a baby until literally soon <laughs> until when it comes into fruition. And that's no longer my main archetype or my main way of being. And that maiden is all about freedom and innocence and, you know, just taking care of herself and being herself and, and all of these different things. And now is being transformed into, yes, I can have all of these things, but now it's not just my life in my hands. It's also someone else that I am going to be taking care of. It's a different level of responsibility. It's not just responsibility for myself, it's responsibility for myself and a new life that is coming that I pretty much will devote my life to in a way. Right. And, you know, it sounds like a bit like, oh, well, you're, you're devoting your life to it, but it's like you are in a way. That doesn't mean that you stop devoting to yourself. It's just that right now it will take a different lens. It will be two lives that I will be devoting to myself and someone else. And so, that transition in itself has been hard um, because it's like letting go of the things that I thought to be true to a new reality, to new things that I, that I didn't know were real, <laughs> existed, or were true because the, the shift is just so, so massive into that new, into this new phase that I'm going through and that I am slowly experiencing moment by moment. There's a beautiful way of experiencing changes. And that's, I think, why archetypes are helpful because there's really never a loss or a low point if you can view what you're going through in the perception of archetypes. Mm. I think that they highlight opportunity lessons and experiences in a way that allow us to sort of frame what we're going through. And I just want to give listeners a little bit of context that archetypes are essentially a deeper understanding of ourselves and others. It's the unleashing of the potential for personal growth, transformation, and they offer us a glimpse into the underlying motivations, desires, and challenges that shape our lives. So in the maiden, what we're talking about, what Diana's saying is maiden is she's the innocent. She's curious. She's the student of the world. She might be at times a little impulsive, a little self-sacrificing, a little naive, depending on the shadow side of the maiden. But she's essentially all of us. I mean, she's the girl who's trying things out and experimenting. Mm. She's figuring her shit. She's owning her shit. She's making mistakes, you know? And I think a lot of us who are seeking higher enlightenment or wanting to become our future selves, we're really in that maiden archetype because we haven't quite mm -hmm. found the embodiment, the groundedness of what mother tends to bring. A lot of us too, I mean, and I'll say us, a lot of women, I would say in my experience, often struggle with their relationships to mother, whether it's their own mother in their lives or the yeah. idea of motherhood. And when we think about, you know, Mother Earth or Mother Gaia, I mean, these really big entities that we tap into are mother energies. So mm -hmm. how do we as little human beings, and I'm sorry, but like little human ants, you know, how do we embody this huge divine entity. And when you think of mother as an archetype, mother is birthing creativity into the world. She's yeah. literally putting creation out there to create more things, right? And 
the shadow side of mother at times can be, you know, maybe she's overgiving to the point of abandon or resentment. It's it's when someone's burnt out and, you know, like Diana's saying, your life becomes about another life, the balance being, okay, how can I shape this entity to be a creative force? And whether that's, you know, we're not just talking about the arts, we're talking about how can this person put more energy into the world that is mother. And when we're not in our maiden phase, when we're not accountable and we, you know, aren't taking care of ourselves and we aren't learning how to mother ourselves in the maiden phase, mm-hmm. that transition into motherhood, I wonder and I can imagine it being pretty fucking scary. Probably. Yeah. It probably I mean, is. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you cannot take care of yourself, how do you expect to take care of another human being? Right. It's like, yeah, in a way, us women and, you know, we're, we're kind of like, um, designed to do that. Right. But still like, it's a very big job to take, to take care of. And if you haven't in your maidenhood learned the tools to how to prioritize yourself, how to take responsibility for yourself, how to take care of yourself, it does become or feel more daunting to having to take care of another, 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 <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, I guess I highlight from the point of view of not being pregnant <laughs> and not welcoming, you know, a, a new life quite mm-hmm. literally into mine quite yet. But we've talked about this off mic about how this year you and I went through actually really similar processes of these mini deaths, these sort of grieving of self as we are inviting new energy and mine being a little bit more towards career and work and vocation and yours literally being in the creation of physical life. And yet the things that I feel we've bonded over, these like nine months of incubation are still relevant to our leaving maidenhood and becoming the mothers Mm -hmm. of creation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about, and this is honestly the point of the story that really inspired me to bring this into the portal, is the truth behind what pregnancy feels like and what, whether you're growing life or you're growing a business, maybe the darker sides of the experience that we don't always get to hear about. And so I feel like we hear stories of what it feels like to be pregnant from loved ones and through the media, often glamorizing the miraculous journey of creating life or the grueling labor pains that overtake a woman's ability to function. (laughs) And I admit that that's a bit of a generalization, but my point is that we often view pregnancy through an extreme lens. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's kind of this joke that people say like, well, no one tells you that in pregnancy, but I'm curious, what has been your experiences, the things that no one tells you about in pregnancy. Oh, I feel like there's so much in it. And, <laughs> um, and I'll talk from my own experience, right? Because every woman's experience of pregnancy, is going to be very different. And I love as well that you mentioned that this doesn't have to just necessarily coming into the mother archetype doesn't have to necessarily be through pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It's also the birthing of you know, a piece of creation, a business, all this stuff. And I've also been in that space myself this year too. But in the terms of pregnancy, um, there's very little of what the actual experience is talked about. I feel like, obviously, we're human. (laughs) We're all human beings and women. Just talk about the humanness of the experience of ha- being pregnant, like the human component of being pregnant. But there's a there's a very big mental, emotional, and huge spiritual shift that happens during the process of pregnancy from beginning to end. And for me at the beginning, it was all about getting used to the idea of being pregnant, of the complexity of grieving and being grateful and not also wanting to divulge and be excited about this new life that I was creating based on my previous experience. Um, So that also brings in a whole different layer by having a previous pregnancy loss of, oh my God, I don't, I don't want to allow myself to be excited 
I don't want to allow myself to be happy because it can go wrong and I don't want to do this. And therefore, I'm not going to be happy about this. But then again, I have to force myself to be happy about it because it is a wonderful thing. And it's like, you do have to um, feel happy. I do have to feel happy. Then, and I'll talk about it in stages. So the first trimester, that's how I kind of like it was for me. Plus the physical component of constant nausea, constant tiredness, being exhausted, my hormones just flaring up and all of these different things. So there's that physical side. There was the emotional side of having this complexity of being excited about being pregnant and also not being excited about being pregnant. That was a whole different thing. And and embracing that in a way. And because over the last two years, I feel like I have been diving in so much into my body and connecting into my womb. What came for me in that first trimester was so much of, I cannot feel my body as my own anymore. I cannot feel my womb as I did. And I had gained such a beautiful connection to her that I was like listening, tapping it into her. I felt so connected to everything. And in that first trimester, it felt like all of that connection was lost. And so through that, I was I had a lot of judgment towards myself, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame towards myself because I was like, in a way, it's like, I want to be pregnant. This is what I wanted. But at the same time, I miss my body. I miss my womb. And oh my God, why am I saying this? I should be grateful to be a mom. I should be grateful that I'm pregnant now. I should be grateful that I have this life. And then Instead, I was just judging hardcore myself because of like, oh, but I just want my body back already, right? And and I just and and feeling guilty because oh my god, I'm I'm replacing my daughter that is in heaven and all of these different things. And so like there was like a huge turmoil. And so I became a hermit in that first trimester. That was like my first automatic instinct, I guess, of just becoming a hermit. I didn't want to speak to anybody. I was just processing so much internally, judging, uh, feeling the complexity of grief and excitement of blessings and all of these different things and trying to look forward to the next stage of pregnancy, the next stage of what it would look like and everything. Through that as well, I went to a training to become a womb healer and do more of like these these tantric arts um to be a facilitator for this and that in that moment i was just like oh my god i'm missing out on life i'm missing out on things because i'm not going to be able to get as much from this um from this training i'm not going to be able to you know um participate as much or and stuff like that and that in itself brought a lot of like Oh my God, I'm being so selfish. I'm all I'm thinking about is myself rather than this life that I'm forming. I should be, I should be grateful. All of these different things. And so transversing into the second trimester, I threw a lot of help <laughs> from my own space holder. Mm-hmm. I was able to become more compassionate with myself and just be like, you know what? All of these things that I'm experiencing are okay and they are normal. So my second trimester felt very smooth sailing. Felt like I was coming out of my hermit mode. I felt a lot more energized. Not so many um, physical uncomfortableness and sensations and, and whatnot. And so I started to work a lot in terms of being okay with the things that I was thinking that I can miss my body and at the same time be grateful for my body, for what it's creating, that I can grieve my daughter and also be happy that um that I'm gonna have a son, you know, and that they both can coexist, that I can miss my the connection with my womb and still understand that right now she is not my own and she is being there's like someone that is renting her for the time being and it's like okay i can kind of be okay with that and trying to accept that and also being like i'm not 
I can feel like I'm missing out and at the same time know that this is a whole different experience that I'm experiencing and I'm I'm experiencing something different and not missing out necessarily. I'm just having a different experience from what another woman would be at this in this season that is not pregnant, right? <laughs> so it's like during the second trimester, it was just a lot of, I guess, self-compassion and kindness and, and coming back to love to myself and, and removing or allowing the judgment to come through so that I could love that judgment in a way and kind of alchemize it so that way I could be okay with it, right? And and being okay that I can cry, I can feel angry, and none of that is going to affect, you know, how good or bad of a mother I'm going to be type of thing that does not reflect it. Or that, you know, that my baby is going to in some way create or, or inherit some type of trauma or wounding just because I'm having a human experience by feeling feelings that are completely normal. That is something that came true, came through very vividly at the end of my second trimester. I was like, Oh my God, I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be getting angry because it's going to affect my baby. And it's like, but what am I trying to teach my baby? Am I trying to teach my baby that it's okay for me to just hold everything in? Or am I trying to teach him that it's okay to be human and that everybody experiences emotions and feelings and has experiences and and that's okay and normal and that doesn't make it that's not going to hinder someone basically and then now in the third trimester what i came to come i guess face to face with was fuck (laughs) i'm not gonna be the same person that i've been for the last 27 years This third trimester, what has been teaching me a lot is like one, again, that I miss my body so, 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 so much that I do not like to be pregnant, but I love my baby boy so much that there's a lot that's going to change. And that change sometimes can feel very scary and like I'm losing all of myself and everything and that everything I've ever known, it's just like down the drain and it's gone. That my freedom is gone, that all of these things are gone. And now at the end of the third trimester, after having processed it and alchemized it and all of these different things of seeing how, you know, my freedom is just going to look a little bit different. That doesn't mean that I won't have freedom. It just will look very different that, you know, I can enjoy feeling my baby inside of me and feeling his kicks and movements and be okay with the fact that pregnancy sometimes is not for everybody and it's not for me. I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Right. And that does not mean that I hate the process. I hate the journey or anything like that, or that I love my baby less. It just means that it's just, I just do not like the uncomfortableness of it. (laughs) And that's just a fact. But I have enjoyed in a weird way, the whole shift in, in myself and identity and and, in spirit and in my own soul and coming more into authenticity to myself. But I guess I wouldn't have that if I would have just rejected all of these different things that I was trying so hard to push down and reject or not speak about. I wouldn't have come to this place of kind of being like, you know, I'm okay. And my body is doing the most magical, wondrous thing that it could ever do. And my soul is being pushed to the corners of the fucking universe that I don't even know where it's taking me at some points that is so foreign and so unknown that it's gotten me to a place where like, you know what, the unknown and the mystery of not knowing feels quite good, which I would not have been able to say that before at all. This is something I realized like not long ago. I was like, 
mystery of not knowing of the unknown is what makes life so much more better. And we try to always have like that plan or knowing and everything that gives us that security. And for the first time, I feel so comfortable in not knowing. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I talk so much there. Well, let me just say when somebody's talking and you don't hear me making a sound, what you're saying is important because you just embodied and enveloped. I mean, so many of the questions I would have asked, such as like, you know, what is the connection between mind, body, and spirit that's happening during this process? But you touched on that as well as, you know, the how what you've gone through will impact and affect what you do. You know, I mean, yeah. you have firsthand experience now of the process and the experience, not only of just pregnancy and, and childbirthing, but of the reclamation and the revisiting of the womb like we were talking about i really appreciate that you were vulnerable in talking about how it's not just the human experience it's not just what's happening in the in the flesh body it's what's happening underneath it's what's happening in the spirit of who you are as a person the spirit of the actual you know the womb the container that's holding this life and the spirit of the entity that's growing inside of you i mean you're holding space for all of those things at one time on top of as a healer working with other people's energy and spirit and just mm. being a person having to deal with energy and human life every day i mean that's I, even right now i'm like kind of at a loss of like holy shit like maybe daunting and scary isn't the quite like it's not the word it's not the flavor but it is just a i mean it's so impressive it's so impressive what we are as women designed to do and what we can handle and what I really want to kind of mirror back in all of that you just offered us is that, you know, the thing that people maybe aren't talking about a lot in relation to their pregnancy is the spiritual, hmm. the spiritual death, the spirituality behind the creation of life and the loss of life that is, like you said, the life I've had for 27 years. I've known this person and been this person for the most part. For this amount of time, I've been mothering mm -hmm. myself. I've been taking care of myself. I have gone through, you know, grief, loss, disappointment, and celebration, joy, and gain as this person. But now I have a literal other spirit that's joined in my spirit. And we don't, nobody prepares us for that. Mm. Nobody tells you what that feels like. No, everybody prepares you for the, the human side of it. Mm -hmm. the physical part of it right the material oh you know prepare yourself for not being able to go to sleep for peeing too much for doing all these things and yeah i've experienced all of them don't like them <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm done um but nobody prepares you for and i would have to say and i would have to combine these two is like the emotional and spiritual toll that it takes on you sure. right it's like and, and they're they're both interrelated. I mean, they're all interrelated in their own way, but the spiritual part of it is is huge. Is huge, I think, because it's you're in a void completely. Even though you're creating life, you're in a void because you are creating life. Mm -hmm. Right? You are just just this vessel of life that you cannot just be like, all right. I'm a vessel for life and it's amazing. It's right. It's all these things. It's like, you're a freaking vessel. You are of the freaking altar of it, right? You are, and we spoke about this. We are the freaking altar. You're the freaking offering at the same time for divine creation to begin to, to begin inside of you and to flow out of you. And so that in itself, it's huge. It's like a huge ritual and ceremony that you're undergoing permanently for nine months mm -hmm. that you cannot escape from. And mm -hmm. it's, it's something that requires quite a lot of, I would have to say contemplation and reflection and just being in that space, just allowing yourself to be in that space. It's like you're 
you're no longer just your human self and your soul self. You're your human self plus your soul self plus divine divinity at the same time coming into you so that you can create a new life, which is another soul, right? And so you're connected in different ways. And with that, it opens many different portals, many different places that the spaces that you didn't know even existed. There's both like a lot of darkness and a lot of shadow and a lot of light happening at the same time that you have to just transverse through and kind of like walk through or, or fly through, <laughs> I guess, in order to just come at the end of being like, I'm a whole new person and I will still continue to develop. But like, the nine months of it is it's hardcore it's not it's not <laughs> i'm not gonna say it's not it's not it's not easy and and i feel like i applaud the women that 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 you know they regard it as easy and i'm like wow that's amazing for me it hasn't been it has been a whole spiritual initiation yeah. of myself of of truth of of light of spirit that it's just sometimes it's like really hard to describe and like the way that I described it to you it's like it's like it's you're at the same time you're you're freaking you're the ritual you're the freaking vessel but the most thing the most important thing is like you're the freaking altar and offering at the same time and that takes a me, lot of work tell me more about that like because I, I, I feel like you and I understand imagery and visualization in the same way so i i can grok that i understand but in your own words to be the altar to be the vessel to be the offering and i like that we're using the word offering and not sacrifice what does it mean as the spirit the woman the body i mean what what does this relate to how can we paint this picture of what we're talking about to people who are like what the heck do you mean we are the altar you know what does that what does that mean well so what is an altar, right? It's a place where a place or a space, you know, in the material world where you sit in front of to pray, to devote, to, to ask, to give thanks, right? So that is the altar. Essentially, my whole body is the altar for this new being because what? It's holding this a lot of this energy in order to create life. Mm -hmm. We put it in like more simpler context is like, if you go to a church, right? Like, what do you have in the altar? You have where they put the cross, you have where they put the, um, I know it in Spanish, the little, tablets, <laughs> the, you know, like, say the wafers, <laughs> the, the wafers, the you body know, of I like, Christ. I know it in Spanish. Um, you know, you have this sacred space right. where you sit to pray, to give thanks, to to serve your respect and and whatnot to a higher entity. That's basically me right now in this Let me jump body in on form. that. So when you're saying altar, we're kind of like think of it like in in a really I want to say practical terms as the body, as the entity, you the person, you know you are fed, you are nourished, you are being offered support, you're being offered comfort, you're being offered guidance. Like there, you are the, you are the thing, you are the actual living thing that is being approached to, to create, to, to house mm -hmm. something, to hold space for this divine yeah. intervention, this divine creation. So that's what we mean when we're saying alter, that you are the physical space in which this is happening. Yeah, where all of this is happening, correct? Where you're holding that space. I love that, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're holding all of that energy. And you're the offering at the same time, right? The offering of, of the fact that your body is being utilized to create life. You're all of your body in its way. It's working to, without you consciously doing anything, to create a new life to come into this earth mm -hmm. to come into this sphere to come into energy to materialize and so that is the offering you your body is also the offering because you you're being the vessel for a new life to come in into the world that 
in one way or another you agree to right and you offer yourself to that altar to that space to the divine creation to say hey i'm okay and i'm open for you to utilize me for you to for you to use me as a channel to give life right and so that is my offering this is my thanks this is my yeah, I guess you could say it as well, my sacrifice as well, because in a way it is a sacrifice that you're that you're doing, right? You're sacrificing in in a funny context, you're sacrificing the things that you cannot eat anymore, right? <laughs> Maybe not being able to drink or eat raw sushi or anything like that. Mm. Um, but in a more in a different way, you're you're sacrificing that connection that you have with your body that is normally so yours, so potent, right? It's like my womb again, it's not mine right now. It's being borrowed. Someone else is housing it. And it's being okay with that and being okay with my body is not just my body anymore. And that is a sacrifice that I'm making. That is an offering that I'm making as a thanks, as a, as a, as respect, as also as a, as a prayer too, right? Because I prayed for so long to, to be a mother and to wanting to be pregnant and that that by itself it's like i'm getting the answer to my prayer by being that offering at the same time so i guess that's what it means if you can simplify that as well i mean i think we did a pretty both altar and the and the offering it's like you're just there's, there's just so much that it's happening at the same time it's a huge concept i think we did a pretty swell job at making it tangible what with a growing business and a growing family, are you most excited and looking forward to in this next chapter of your life? Mm. That is a difficult one. I feel like I got two things out of it. One is to is to be able to kind of how do I say this? I'm like, it's like, it's there in my mind. It's like at the tip of my tongue, but it's not coming out. Um, the number one thing is that I'm the most excited about of experiencing is like this unconditional love that probably I will, like, I would not be able to experience without my son. Um, and being able to to be a hand for him to hold and, and see him grow into something, whatever he wants to be, into light and to love and everything and all that he will become for this world. And for my work to mirror that and to, and to come into this, this maturity that I would not be able to uh, hold if it weren't because of this. Yeah. Of becoming a mother. Mm. Well, Diana, I just want to say thank you again for sharing your experience. We got three final questions in rapid fire style. And that is, what are you a yes for? I'm a yes for love, honestly. <laughs> okay. I'm like <laughs> expecting more. She says that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. Okay. What are you putting on your permission slip these days? to allow all of myself to just be experienced. Mm. And what does being human mean to you? All of it, basically all of it, all of it. <laughs> what does that mean? It's all of it. That's my favorite question to ask. Cause I see that the moment that people like, ref like process the question and then the response. And so Thank you, because I think all of it is true. And I think we covered a lot of it today. Mm. So because I think that you're amazing and more people need to be in your presence, where can people find you? Instagram. That is my place to, to hang out. <laughs> and what's your Instagram handle for the people who are lazy? It's I am Diana Taylor. However, Diana is spelled with D-A-Y-A-N-A. -A -A. I am Diana Taylor. Very Spanish. Yeah. 
Get it. Don't get it <laughs> twisted. Also, I love that we've talked about this in joke, but every freaking coach under the sun's name is I am something. So <laughs> we figured out why that is the case and why we all think but we I did. think it's because of the handle. It just your name, my name, Diana Taylor, wasn't available. So I was like, okay, I am Diana Taylor then. So, and that was available. So there you go. <laughs> There's reverence in it. There's an energy. Well, my love, thank you so much. And when this episode comes out, Diana will have a baby in the world. So let's just take a second and oh. send her some amazing energy, some love, and some light as she crosses the threshold into motherhood. We love you, Diana. We are so excited for you. And thank you so much for being a part of the permission portal. Thank you. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're committed to giving yourself permission. Doesn't it feel good? If you want another permission slip, tune in every Thursday for new episodes. And head to my website to get your name on our mailing list so you don't miss special offers, podcast bonuses, and coaching opportunities. Your involvement in the portal means a lot to me. So I invite you to leave an honest rating and review and click the follow or subscribe button if you haven't yet. The ripple effects have the power to bring permission to those who truly need it. And you can follow me on social media at I am Julia Henning or the Permission Portal. If you want to step into the portal with me, look out for opportunities to get coached on air through social media and on my website. Until then, guys, I am beaming you so much gratitude for tuning in, and I cannot wait to vibe out again soon. Oh, and on a scale of 1 to 10, where's your mood right now?